Good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us today for Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Kimberly Shirk. I'll be your moderator for today's show, and I'm joined by one of our authors, Larry Sternberg, and Kyle Bruce. You may have known, you may recognize that name. He's our other moderator, and so you've heard his voice before often. Um, They are our experts on management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can really make a difference for you as a person and as a manager and as an organization. So today's topic for discussion is bet on talent. It's described in chapter 31 of Managing to Make a Difference. We hope you'll pick up your own copy and follow along. But to kick us off today, Larry, I think what we should do to start things off is just define talent. It can really mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So in terms of what we're talking about today, can you put a definition around it for us? Yes, you're right. Uh, the word talent is meaning a lot of things this, these days. The way we use this term consistently throughout the book is that talent is the potential for excellence in some endeavor. A very close synonym would be aptitude. Aptitude, as you all know, is the God-given potential to do something at a high level of excellence. So that's exactly the way we're using the word talent. Just, Just think of it as a synonym for aptitude. Great. And I think this um, first story that we've talked about, um, you've explained here in the book, and I'd like to share with our listeners, too, um, kicks us off with a really great start. So can you share the story of the female doorman with us? Yes, I'll share the story. And and first, I want to make sure everybody understands the point of the story. One of the first points we make in this chapter is to avoid unnecessary requirements when you're recruiting and hiring people, don't create unnecessary requirements. And this is done a lot, and throughout this this episode, we're going to talk about some of these unnecessary requirements. But let me, uh, let me tell you the story of the female doorman. And this has relevance to what's going on today. And it's currently making headlines in Silicon Valley, for instance, but uh, it, it's relevant in every uh, industry today. So at this point in time, I was working for the Omni International Hotel chain, and we had uh, a hotel in Norfolk, Virginia. Virginia it was the Omni International uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, and and I was in the corporate office. I was uh, head of HR. The corporate office happened to be in Atlanta in those days, and and uh, that hotel had advertised, and in those days, there wasn't the internet, so when you advertise, you did it in newspapers. So in any event, they advertised, they had an opening for a doorman. And doorman, by the way, in luxury hotels make very good money. And so it's a sought after position. They had an applicant who was a female. And they decided that they weren't going to make an offer to this applicant. And she decided to file a complaint about it. And the complaint made it up to me pretty quickly in the corporate office. So I called the uh, front office manager, the doorman in that hotel, the way the org chart was. The doorman had a supervisor. They ultimately reported up to the front office manager. So I was talking to the front office manager. And, and uh, I had had the HR department in the hotel uh, fax me in those days, uh, faxes. We, I had them fax me a copy of her application. And, and so I had that in front of me. And I'm talking to the front office manager. And I'm saying, you know, this, this, this young woman has complained to me that uh, she thinks that she was qualified and should have been hired. And I want to understand why you made the decision not to hire her. And he said to me, well, you know, all the uniforms for the doorman are designed for men and they just the uniforms wouldn't fit her. And this was a luxury hotel. I happened to know they had a full time seamstress on staff. And I said, uh, oh, come on, you have a seamstress on staff. And certainly we can order different uniforms for, for this individual, or we can make a small man's one fit. So uh, I, I, I don't accept that as a worthwhile reason not to extend a job offer to somebody who's otherwise qualified. And then he said to me, well, you know, she'll have to lift heavy luggage out of the trunks of cars 
And I don't think that as a woman, she's going to be able to do this all day, every day. And she's going to have to lift heavy luggage and put it in these trunks. And I said, have you looked at her job application closely? Do you see what she listed as her hobby? He said, no, I didn't. I said, weightlifting. And we were kind of done at that point. He realized that uh, he wasn't going to be able to come up with any more specious uh, reasons not to hire this woman. And the, uh, the rest of the story, as some famous guy used to say, what was his name? <laughs> uh, Who used to say the rest of the story? Okay. Well, it is we're get back to that. somebody did, but it, in this case, the rest of the story is that they did hire her. They did, of course, get a uniform to fit her the way it should have fit. And she became a celebrity in Norfolk, Virginia. The hotel got a lot of terrific positive publicity because it's very unusual to see a female in that position. And, uh, uh, it actually created benefits for the hotel to have her in that position. And as I say, we all know that this is currently going on. We know it's going on throughout the country, uh, but in particular, uh, what's been in the news lately is uh, Silicon Valley and the problems that uh, females are having, uh, getting funding and so forth, simply because they're female. So the the point of this story was that the doorman wanted men. It was an unnecessary requirement. And when they opened themselves up uh, to uh, the possibility that a woman could do this job with excellence, uh, it really benefited the hotel in ways uh, that a man wouldn't have. And my, my associates here have helped me know that it was Paul Harvey who used to say, and let me tell you the rest of the story. So uh, thank you, Paul Harvey, for giving us that format. Well, and, and Larry, this is really a big continuation of our our last chapter in the book, which was you know continuously recruit, knowing that really great managers are always recruiting, and not only are they always recruiting, but they find uh, uniquely gifted individuals in in you know random places. You know, and many times as, as I talked about our chairman last time, you know he. Oftentimes, we'll find people when he's out to eat or out to lunch or, you know, stopping at the local uh, fast food spot and, and those sorts of things, knowing that if you're betting on talent, you have to be watching. You have to have your, um, you know, sort of your antenna up looking for that those behaviors around people who are gifted. You know, if it's unique sales talent, somebody who just won't take no for an answer um, or somebody who provides truly exceptional service, whether you're looking for somebody to, to serve in your technology company to be a customer service person in your technology company, but you meet them at a restaurant or in a retail outlet or something, you know, that that aspect of exceptional customer service is what you want the the form or fashion it comes in doesn't really matter and i think really gifted managers uh they know this and that's what really sets them apart because they they recognize talent in all of its forms regardless of what anybody you know preconceived notion of what talent is or at least what what sort of package it should come in as we've gone through this like kyle you bring to the table this great expertise in recruiting and you head up all of our recruitment here at talent plus and so can you think of an example where maybe the resume that showed up on your desk one day um, did not get, speak the whole story? And so you were truly betting on talent because everyone hired here, right, goes through our assessments and we do talent assessment on people. And so in order to do that, you see a deeper picture of the story than what a resume can provide. Does anything leap to your mind in terms of a story of someone you've brought in? Well, not exactly somebody that I've brought in, but somebody that works here at Talent Plus. So this reminds me of actually um, Taylor McMaster, who works here at Talent Plus, one of our uh, longest uh, you know, tenured associates. And so when when Taylor came uh, to my understanding of, of the story is when she came across our radar, you know, as we were getting the company started, you know, we were working and, and we'd gotten some new and large uh, clients in, um, in high-end hospitality. And we needed some individuals to be able to teach, uh, individuals who could train, uh, but at a really high level that would match um, a five-star hotel uh, sort of experience. And, you know, in Lincoln, Nebraska, we don't have any five-star hotels. Um, and so you have to, you have to be. You don't for, have any five 
five-star hotels anywhere in Nebraska. Well, that's true. Right. Just make that clear. <laughs> so, so you know, in order to find somebody that can go out and train in, in that environment, you really have to be looking uh, and and be aware of some really talented people that can do that. And Taylor, who um, was in college, uh, she was a non-traditional student. She had been a gourmet chef. Um, she traveled all over the world because she grew up in a, um, I think her father was in the Air Force. And so you know, she, she'd gone all over the world and had all these different experiences. And she was uh, a chef and things like that, but didn't say, I'm a great trainer. Uh, but she happened to have a talent for art and a talent for writing and a talent for speaking and being up in front of people. Uh, truly gifted at those sorts of things, but hadn't done consulting, hadn't done training in a traditional sense. So if we didn't uh, we weren't looking for somebody who had that sort of wonderful talent. We we would have missed uh, Taylor if we would have just focused on a resume. Well, you know, I, I see that we are approaching a break, but uh, I assure you, when you come back from the break, I'll tell you several stories about people I've bet on who, on paper, wouldn't have wouldn't have the qualifications for the job. I hired him to do. It's It's been one of my most uh, satisfying experiences, and I've had this several times, of seeing that somebody has the aptitude to do something and betting on it uh, rather than staying narrowly focused on some set of uh, a pedigree uh, qualifications. So we come back from the break. I'll tell you some stories. That is a great teaser. Before we head out to our break, I just want to remind you that all of these podcasts come from the book, Managing to Make a Difference. We released it just this past spring, and you can still purchase all of your copies online. If you go to 800ceoreads.com and you want um, copies for your corporate events, you can even customize them with your own branding. So consider not just reading it for yourself, but for your entire management team. And stay tuned. We'll be right back with more insight on betting on talent today with Managing to Make a Difference. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference this afternoon. We're so glad you took some time to spend the afternoon with us today. We are talking about Chapter 31 from the book Managing to Make a Difference. The chapter is titled Bet on Talent. And in our first segment, what we really talked about is defining talent as an aptitude and the potential to do just just perform with excellence. Uh, we talked about recruiting. We talked about um, the fact that Everything that's on a resume may not tell the whole story. And what I'm most intrigued by is the fact that Larry is about to um, share with us some of the stories where he's really put that into play and seen that throughout his management career. So, Larry, feel free to share. I can't wait to hear. Typically, resumes don't tell you anything about somebody's giftedness, their talent. You have to sort of extract it. These stories are focused on the, the following insight. Remember, I I said early on that you want to avoid establishing unnecessary requirements. And the most common unnecessary requirement that you see in job postings is a certain amount of experience. We want three to five years experience, et cetera, et cetera. And that one for years I have found to be uh, amusing, to be honest with you, because it it is. Uh, it, it shows a lack of wisdom. If you point at any human being that you're thinking of hiring, and we list all of that person's deficiencies, one of which is uh, is a lack of experience. Let's just say there's only one deficiency that I guarantee you I can make go away, and that's lack of experience. I absolutely guarantee if I hire somebody with no experience today, three years from now they will have three years experience. And, and that is the only deficiency that I guarantee you we can cure. And yet, people raise that as a ticket to admission, that if somebody doesn't, have, doesn't matter what else they have, they don't have this experience, they're not coming in. That, and, and so I encourage all of our listeners to really take a hard look at your experience requirement and ask yourself whether or not this requirement is really necessary. I understand there are some jobs, some roles for which certain degrees, certain experience is, is, uh, is a good idea. But there's a lot of roles that require degrees, they require experience. And you know what? When you really look at it, those things aren't particularly relevant to the job. And I'm going to tell you my favorite story about this. In 1979, I was the vice president of human resources for the Playboy Casino in Atlantic City. We were in pre-opening, and we were recruiting 3,500 people for a startup operation of this casino in Atlantic City. And the Casino Control Commission had established certain requirements that casinos had to meet in order to be granted a license to operate a casino uh, in Atlantic City. And one of those requirements was they actually had quotas. They had affirmative action quotas because part of the reason that casino gaming was authorized in New Jersey was to create employment for a variety of groups. And so, so understandably, the government wanted to make sure that all groups were benefiting by all these thousands of jobs that were being created in Atlantic City. So we had quotas. And in addition to quotas, there was a requirement that I had to have a person on my staff whose entire job was affirmative action. They couldn't have any other response. I couldn't say like the assistant director of human resources is going to have this as one of her responsibilities. They, the commission said, no, you don't get to do that. There has to be a position. This is what they're focusing on or you don't get your license. So it was no negotiating. So I had to hire somebody to be my affirmative action officer. And uh, I'm sorry, I, I just got distracted there. I apologize. So I had to hire somebody to be my affirmative action officer. And all of the other casinos, because there were, there, I can't tell you how many casinos were under construction simultaneously, just like ours, were in pre-opening, and they were all recruiting 3,500 to 5,000 people to open their casinos. So there was all this recruiting going on, and the other casinos hired established 
diversity, affirmative action experts. They hired people with degrees. And almost all of them were African-American. Almost all of them. So they knew everything there was to know about affirmative action. They knew everything there was to know about diversity. They were impressive people. And they all had moved in from elsewhere. I hired a used car salesman named Ron. <laughs> and Ron, I, I apologize. I don't remember your last name anymore. But I hope at some point in time, somehow or other, you run a you run across the podcast. We just lost another listener. Uh, <laughs> Ron's last name. But <laughs> I hired a used car salesman named Ron, and he had he had no education in this area. Uh, he had no paper qualifications to occupy this position. But I'll tell you why I hired Ron. I hired him based on his talent. Ron, not, he sold used cars, but in addition, he was a community activist. And Atlantic City is not that large a place. If you've ever played Monopoly, you know, <laughs> by the way, all those streets are there in Atlantic City. It's kind of bizarre to drive around. You, you, oh, look, there's Vendor Avenue. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's really a Baltic and all those. They're all there. Uh, it really is based on the city. At any rate, it's not, it's not a huge city. And Ron knew everybody. And I could say to Ron, because we had quotas, I could say to Ron, I need X number of people of color to be at the front desk. They have to be well put together uh, and they have to be, you know, well spoken. And, uh, you know, and the next day that number of people would show up uh, for us to get staffed and meet our quotas because Ron could deliver. And so all of these other guys, we and we outcompeted all of the other casinos in terms of our ability to meet our quotas because I was open to recruiting somebody who I thought had the aptitude, had the potential, and came armed with some other things. Uh, didn't happen to have degrees, but he delivered for me. And that's that's it's one of my favorite stories about betting on talent. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another one. And uh, this one occurred uh, 79, oh, 15 or so years later <laughs> when I was uh, opening a hotel in San Francisco. And I had to uh, recruit at this point only 350 people to open this luxury hotel we were opening. But we had to have a uh, very high level of service. And I wanted to make sure that we had diversity on our staff. So I started using a scientific psychometric assessment, which would tell me a lot about somebody's aptitude, somebody's talent. And I decided that instead of relying on experience and education, that we were going to hire people who had the right talent to do these hospitality jobs with excellence and not worry about their experience. And then we, we contacted all of the organizations in San Francisco whose mission included helping their constituents find jobs. And we said, send your people no experience necessary. And they sent people. And we hired strictly based on talent. You could get a job in this hotel. In fact, you could even be a supervisor in this hotel if you had never been a supervisor before, if you had never worked in a hotel before. We were betting on talent. And when all the dust settled, we had some uh, striking life lessons regarding betting on talent. And I see where approaching a break here. So when we come back from the break, I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you the rest of the story. I guess I'm, I'm channeling Paul Harvey today because <laughs> when be. we come back from the break, <laughs> I'll tell you the rest of the story. I'll tell you what we learned. And, and part of the story is this, this particular experience changed my life. And I'll tell you how it did that as well. I think it's so interesting to think that what we're talking about today really tr flips a model of traditional corporate recruitment and even sometimes development 
uh, you know, a lot of corporations don't think like this. They, they really, we are built on educational experience. We are built on what that resume says, that experience level and stuff. So we're really, I feel like flipping the model on that. So I want to touch on that as well when we come back. Um, what I do want to mention, though, is when you get this book, the, the thing that's so unique about managing to make a difference is in every chapter you see a lesson and you have an experiment. So this isn't just um, take my word for it. We want you to put it into practice, and we really want to hear back from you how, when you put that into practice, what what feedback you get. So we hope that you will reach out to us and let us know what you're um, experiencing with this book. We hope that you purchase copies for your teams, that you really put some of these experiments into place within your own organizations and your own teams. And, um, you know, I don't have to tell you all that Larry is a phenomenal storyteller and to have him on site with your company would just be a privilege and an honor, both for him and for you. And so we do want to let you know that he is available to come and speak to your organization. You know, the book is chock full of a whole bunch of chapters that are vastly important and customizing those to what is important to your organization or your team is facing right now is really important as well. And he's a master master at that. So if you do want to reach out to Larry, um, all you have to do is reach out to us through that podcast link. Even where you email the host button, you can suggest that and we will be in touch with you to figure that out with your company. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will hear the rest of the story with Larry and touch on how this is kind of a switch for corporate America. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back, and thanks again for joining us this afternoon for Managing to Make a Difference. We've been talking about Chapter 31 in the book, Managing to Make a Difference, and this chapter's title is Bet on Talent. It's just one of the chapters from the recently released book, and just a reminder, you can order your own copies on Barnes & Noble, on Amazon.com, or go to CEOreads.com, and then you can order bulk um Book, bulk books for your organization. Say, say that three times yeah, fast. I, uh, clearly, I can't today. Clearly, I can't. We'd love to hear your feedback. So as we go through this um, show, if there are 
questions that come to your mind and you want want them answered, please reach out to us. All you have to do is hit that email host button just above the podcast description, and we'll work those topics into our upcoming podcasts. But for now, we want to continue with the theme of uh, returning to the rest of the story. So, Larry, would you... (laughs) Close out that story for us. Yeah, let me let me just review the story briefly. This is a, a story about opening a hotel in San Francisco, and instead of focusing on people's experience and education, we were doing psychometric testing to assess people's talent, their aptitude to do these different jobs with excellence, and we were willing to train them if if they didn't have any experience. And so the rest of the story is we did this. And when all the dust settled on our recruiting efforts, the population, the 350-person population of that hotel was to the percentage point, uh, the population of San Francisco in terms of their demographics. So the diversity of that workforce was to the percentage point, the diversity of San Francisco. And let me tell you something. San Francisco is one of the most diverse cities on the planet. And that was... Uh, eye-opening for me. And the truth is that talent does not know race. It does not know gender. It does not know age. It does not know sexual orientation. It, it doesn't know any of those things. And, and, and it doesn't know experience. So we can escape, we can increase our pool of people we consider to be employees if we're willing to train them, if we focus on talent and bet on talent rather than uh, thinking about things like experience and education. So uh, that's the rest of that story. Oh, and I'm sorry, I told you it changed my life. And I want to say how it changed my life. Prior to that, I had believed that if we could get the training right or make sure people had the correct education coming into a job, we could get that right and get the motivation right, that we were going to achieve excellence, that it was all about people having the knowledge and skills that they needed and then motivating them to do a great job. And what I learned from this experience changed my life profoundly, and I can sum it up in two words, aptitude matters. You can't train a Shetland pony to win the Kentucky Derby. I don't care how good a trainer you are, and I don't care how much that pony wants to win. Uh, Aptitude matters. And as I say, that changed the way I did human resources uh, even to now. So there you are. Well, and and you're right. Aptitude matters. And I I was thinking of a couple of other stories, not not in the hotel business, Larry, but I was actually thinking about sports a little bit. You know, I was thinking about um, Kurt Tomasevich, who's a famous Nebraskan. Um, he's a bobsledder, you know, and we don't have bobsledding in Nebraska last time I checked in. We just, we don't have it, you know. Uh, but Kurt uh, Tomasevich was a great football player at the University of Nebraska and had uh, a real ideal athletic build and, and drive. And somebody, I, I don't know the whole story of how he got into bobsledding, uh, but he's he's one of the most uh, decorated Olympic bobsledders in the history of the, of the U.S. Uh, being in the sport anyway. And and I was thinking about well, Mike Tyson is a, we've talked about Mike Tyson in the past, but you know how he was discovered. Um, you know he, he was discovered. I, I think he was in a youth detention facility. I think he was. And and uh, you know somebody recognized a, a talent for potential talent for boxing, and I said, hey, we could make you, you know, you know the story better than anybody, Larry, but um, you know we could make you a, a heavyweight champion, I think, and and then you know the the coach kind of adopted him and and took him, and that's what they he did, and and so it's that recognizing talent and the aptitude piece you're talking about, Larry. You know, I, I'm not sure what Mike Tyson's resume read before you know before he was met, but I, I don't think he was a boxer by any means. I know Kurt Thomasevich. I don't if, know if he'd ever seen a bobsled before he was recognized as somebody. Hey, you want to come check this out? And I think that's that's the the element. Bet on talent. What's the aptitude like? What's the 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 natural talent that somebody has? Whether it be focus, competitiveness, you know, the drive, um, those internal components that you really can't see on a resume, and that's the winning play. It's just hard to figure out um, on the surface unless you're tuned in and paying attention. So let's say I'm a new manager, Larry. Let's say 
I want to do this. I want to bet on talent, but I really don't know where to start. What would you recommend? Well, the first thing I'd recommend is that you get into relationship with your people. And we have talked about an exercise called Focus on You uh, before. And in Focus on You, you learn some things about somebody's talent. If It's not hard to pay attention. You learn some things about somebody's talent. So I would uh, redirect our listeners to, you can go to our microsite, which is www. Dot manage to make a difference dot com. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I blanked on that. So in any event, so www.managetomakeadifference.com. You can go there and see, see again if you want the exercise called Focus on You. So I would do Focus on You, and I would, uh, and I would ask my people some interesting questions, uh, and I would do this one-on-one. So I do focus on you as a group, and I do, one-on-one, I'd say to them, hey, you know, what are the favorite parts of your job, and what do you think you really do well? And I ask them those kinds of questions, and, and start to get a handle, and then you watch them, and you find out when they're in the zone, what are they really doing? What, what, what do they do well, and what do they enjoy doing? And you start to get a handle on their talent. And if there's something new you, you want to get somebody into, you look for the following markers. And I think we've discussed this uh, in a previous podcast. You, you look for, A, does somebody really like doing that? B, do you see rapid learning there? C, do you see flashes of brilliance? And if you start to see those things in somebody, pay attention. And sometimes they're, they're not always so obvious, but if you start to see those and you're their manager, pay attention. And if you think something might be there, do what any good parent does with a young child. If they, if they see those things, they get the child involved in some activity and, and they start to see that rapid learning. They love the activity and, and some flashes of brilliance. Get involved in more of that activity. And somebody might say to you, hey, I think I might like to try this kind of job here in, in the company. I listen to those things because sometimes something calls to somebody. They want to do something, and there's something about that activity that's calling to them. They might not know why. I mean, who's the who's the bobsledder you talked about? Kurt Tomasevich. So maybe when he saw his first bobsled, he said, what the hell is that? <laughs> uh, and, and however, when somebody explained it to him, maybe he said, hey, you know what? That sounds like it could be a real lot of fun. I think I want to try. At some point, he had to do that. He had to say to himself that he wanted to try it. And probably because he saw other people doing it and it just looked cool to him that he would want to do that. So in any event, you start learning about your people. And then you start giving them some opportunities. You go, okay, well, let's try this and let's try that. It may be that some of these opportunities don't work out and you don't make it a high risk decision for somebody to try something. If if it isn't working out, you can pull them back. If you don't see that rapid learning, if if they don't really enjoy it, et cetera, et cetera, you you can pull them out of it. Uh, But giving people opportunities. So spotting talent in and of itself is a talent. And the best recruiters have this talent. And some of them, and I've known some of them, they can do it on the phone. They can start asking people questions on the phone and they can just hear it. Uh, and and then they, they can decide they want to learn more about that person because that's evidence and they, they really want to confirm what they think might be there. So that's what you do with your people. Again, is you just have to get to know them. And part of it is just listening to what they think they're good at and what they want to do and seeing if you can find opportunities to see for yourself. Is this, should they be doing more of this or not? Well, and, and, you know, as I think about this from a recruiting standpoint, you know, a lot of ink has been 
spilled on the the skills gap in America. You know, people don't have adequate skills to do certain things. You know, if we're betting on talent, we can fix that skills piece with training and education. But if they don't have the natural talent, we might just be wasting our time anyway. So I think that that focus on talent is is even more important now and being able to spot it just because of the fact that, hey, people are going to have a lot of gaps, I think, on their resumes that you might normally um, – you're going to filter them out because they can't they can't check off the boxes. Oh yeah, one of the best salesmen I met in my in my career happens to live uh, in in the port of Spain, Trinidad. And when he was in high school, he was according to him. Now I, he tells me this story, so I'm going to take it at face value. He was flunking every course. High school just wasn't that interesting for him, so he wasn't putting any effort into it and was flunking everything. And his father was wise enough to see that this guy had sales talent. And he, his father said to him, you know, don't, don't worry about school, but uh, why don't you come up here and join me and learn how to sell? And the guy has had a brilliant career in sales ever since. I don't know whether he got his high school diploma or not, but who cares? Who cares? Exactly. Because you bet on talent and it paid off. So we'll be right back with our last segment on um, betting on talent today with Managing to Make a Difference. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. I'm here with Larry and Kyle, and we are talking about betting on talent. This is all born out of Chapter 31 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference. And I know that we alluded to it earlier, but ManageToMakeADifference.com has a lot of extra resources. So if you want to go check those out and just have some additional information to buttress our podcast today, we hope that you will go check that out. You can also reach out to us for speaking engagements or other opportunities as well. So... Um, Kyle, I know that we had talked before we even started the podcast about a great story um, just in the cosmetics industry, and I wondered if you'd want to share that with us. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I was doing um, a consulting uh, presentation, working on with some some field, some district types of managers in, in the cosmetics industry, and, and these are all you know regional and district leaders. You, they had worked their way up in the organization most for retail stores. For retail stores, correct? Yes. So you know they you know they'd work in Macy's or you know Von Mauer or Nordstrom's, those sorts of things. 
things in cosmetics. And um, there was about 40 or 50 people in the room, and, and we were really talking about recruiting and some recruiting tactics. And and one of the things that I, I discussed was job descriptions, you know, how job descriptions and, and um, job postings can be filters for for the recruiting side of things as you think about recruiting. And, and they filter people in and they filter people out. And in many cases, in those job descriptions and, and and job postings, there are things and requirements like Larry was talking about, bachelor's degree or so many years of experience or, you know, in this case, maybe a cosmetology degree that filter people out and filter people in. And, and so I was, I was really curious because I was really trying to get them to think about talent, not experience. And so I, I did a little poll room. Again, most of the individuals in the room were in their mid to late 30s up to their 50s. And again, they most would work their way through the organization and they had all been in that that counter retail role to start their career. Every single one of them, except for maybe a very small handful. So I said, hey, show of hands, how many people in the room have a bachelor's degree? And it was less than five people. And I said, okay, uh, show of hands, how many people have a cosmetology or a beauty school degree or certificate? And again, it was a larger number, but it was easily less than 10, not very many. Okay, so pretty small number of people working in the beauty industry had a degree in that or a certificate or a bachelor's degree, yet they'd all work their way up. And so I'm, I'm now I'm like, okay, mind blowing moment here. I'm confused, everybody, in your job description, in the things that you say you want for the best person to work um, at your counters, you want somebody with, you know, X amount of experience or a cosmetology degree or a bachelor's degree, yet everybody in the room almost doesn't have that uh, piece of you know that piece of paper or whatever or that 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 component on your own resume. You all worked your way up in the organization. You you earned the the spots that you're in in terms of their growth and their development. Um, but you're asking anybody new to have that. I'm confused. Why do we have that on the job posting? And you you could have heard a pin drop. Everybody's like, oh crap. What have we been doing? I said, let's get it off. So the let's get it off that job posting, a job description, because it's not filtering people in. You know, it's just filtering people out and you're missing on talent. And when you bet on talent, some of those other pieces don't matter. And I, again, that, that that leaves some some unknown elements because, you know, well, they've you know, they've got this degree. So they've done X, Y and Z. And, and that's that's kind of a false belief where, okay, they've, they've, they know this sort of product, or they know this industry, that sort of thing. You can get those things in, in other ways. And I think that when we have, you know, these, these requirements, it, it filters some of the, the good people out, unless they have the talent to say, well, I don't care what it says, I'm going to apply anyway. But that's a small fraction of people that have that sort of confidence. So one of the things I, I recommend to everybody who's listening, if you, if you care about betting on talent, check your job descriptions, check your job postings, and see if there are requirements in there that you can get rid of or change or augment some sort of way. And I bet you there's more than one. And let me add, I want to ask everybody listening, I want to ask this question. Did you have a point in your career where somebody decided to bet on you, where you were in a situation that on paper you didn't fit the criteria, uh, it wanted experience and you didn't have any, or it wanted a degree and you didn't have the degree, but somebody decided that somehow or other they were going to bet on you? And so many of us have had that. Kim, did you have that experience? I did have that experience. Absolutely. I thought about that as we prepared for this podcast. I mean, I came in to interview with Kyle here, and I had been out of the job market for 10 years raising my children. And believe me, I had not come from the human resources industry and um, journalism is a far cry from human resources <laughs> and I wondered myself should they bet on me you know do I have the talent to line up and fortunately um, our assessments Kyle's indication my um, my chief's indication said yeah we're going to place a bet on you and I like to think I've made a difference around here but I mean I think that happens with people all of the time but I think in general we still haven't moved to talent assessment as a necessity to walk into an organization. I think that's a disservice that we do. And I think, Kyle, what you've highlighted here is is when you hear the pin drop in a corporate setting, 
because this is a new reality to them, it's something that we have to shift people's thinking to. And, and Larry, you highlighted it earlier when you talked about scientific assessment. And so if you aren't one of those people that's talented at spotting talent, just walking down the street or whatever, um, how do you go about doing that? What, what do you put into place to be able to lead people to being able to measure that talent and being able to incorporate that into your selection process? Well, as uh, many of our listeners know, we, we, all the people talking on this podcast work for a company called Talent Plus, and it is our business to create scientific assessments. Uh, and one of the reasons I'm working here is because I had that incredible experience I talked about in San Francisco when I was a client and I saw what a difference uh, it makes when you use scientific assessments and, and use those assessments to allow you to place the right bets on the right people. And so uh, we are not the only provider of scientific assessments out there, but I encourage our listeners to investigate this and how it can help them because you can actually expand your pool of candidates and increase the diversity in your organization if you get rid of these unnecessary requirements, which turn out to be barriers to a lot of people in getting jobs. Talent doesn't know race, ethnicity, gender, or any other category. If you focus on talent, you're going to have a diverse workforce and you're not going to have to compromise performance, which is another myth out there that in order to get diversity, we have to lower our standards. Not the case if you focus on talent rather than uh, some of these other criteria, which uh, don't really make the difference. I feel like we've had some great stories that just show us how we've activated betting on talent in our life. As we wrap up today's episode, what have we missed, gentlemen? Well, I I guess from uh, a simple question is, well, I think we're not telling people to not get educated, to not get certificates and to not go to school and get a degree and those sorts of things. That's not what we're saying. But I think the the biggest element here is to know that, hey, if somebody's got the aptitude, let's feel like we're okay to make a bet on them to see what they can do, uh, to put them in an, you know, in a role to, to see where they're uh, where their success can take them. You know, we're not negating education and, and those sorts of things. Um, it's just not the only thing. And in some cases, uh, people can learn a, a lot of what we're looking for them to do in, in a role. Um, so I think that's it's an important point. It's not that we missed it. Yes, the aptitude has to be cultivated. It has to be developed. You can't just come in with aptitude. Then you need the education. You need the mentoring. You need the practice at whatever it is you're doing in order to achieve that potential that we see in you. So all of these other things, the education and so forth, they're very, very important. And they lead into another qualification, which is our chapter and our podcast for next week, which is ensuring the right fit. So we will continue this great discussion next week. But we thank you so much today for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. Larry and Kyle, always a pleasure. Boy, if I could get to talk today, that would be super helpful. (laughs) Always a pleasure. And thanks so much for joining us and spending some time with us this afternoon. Till next week, we'll see you here on Managing to Make a Difference. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.